Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's mentally yours from Ellen and so hi everyone welcome to mentally yours metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast i'm yvette and i'm ellen and normally we'd introduce our guests at this point but there is no guest this week we're just talking, me and Yvette. So this week, our guests are us, basically. We we haven't done this for a little while. Um, if you look back through the episodes um, over the years, we've done a couple like this. We did a real sort of deep dive early on with Ellen interviewing me about my bipolar disorder and then another another full episode about um, Ellen sort of chatting about OCD and anxiety um, and depression. Um, so we've done a few like that in the past, but it's been a while. Um, and we basically just thought, oh, well, let's have another catch up. The past few years have been interesting in terms of mental health. Every sort of guest we've had on, we've kind of been sort of saying, well, how have you been doing in terms of the pandemic? And we realised we hadn't actually kind of checked in with each other about um how we think it's affected our mental health. With that in mind, we're going to be chatting about the pandemic itself and then sort of life after the pandemic and this weird sort of phase that we're in now and our our hopes sort of for the future. So should we kick off, Ellen, with talking a bit about the pandemic itself and how kind of life changed sort of day to day for you and how you think it affected your mental health do you are you right to start off with that or do you want me to start I can I'll start by saying it's very weird to think about because I know when you um when we talked about doing this and you were like we haven't done one in years I was like really has it been that long but you are 100% right and it's mad to think about 
so much time has passed and as you know putting it very gently it's been a very weird few years in between that um because I feel like even obviously both of us are mentally ill so even if it hadn't have been a pandemic I think doing a check-in after a few years and being like how have you been doing mentally we would have so much to say and it would be such a you know complicated question and then we kind of thrown in you know a pandemic and lockdowns and political turmoil and loads of different things so it's such a strange I feel like it's such a massive I am just rambling now but it's such a massive question to even start off of like how was it so I think you're right I think we go back to the start of when Covid hit and what we were doing and how that affects us. And I think for me, I remember at first um, feeling very anxious about COVID itself, but thinking I'm just being silly, you know, like I really thought, you know, this is just my anxiety, making a big deal out of nothing. But then it actually was something. I don't know if you had similar, where it was like, oh no, I'm for once I'm right to be a bit worried about this thing that's happening because everyone's worried about it now yeah I definitely went through a a stage during the pandemic when um I consider I don't think it was it would be sort of incorrect to say that I had anxiety and I sort of really understood the difference between just being a fairly anxious person I mean I come from a a long line of worriers people do who do sort of stress a bit and that's just my feels like it's in my day-to-day DNA and stuff just to get a bit stressed about stuff um to actually really feeling like I had severe anxiety for for a time um terrified of going outside at at one point and really sort of depending on I remember one friend sort of coming around at some point and that just made such a huge difference because I was living alone I I just wasn't seeing anyone (laughs) um yeah so it was um well a scary time really wasn't it Am I right in saying that that was around the time that you had just recently moved to your own place as well? Or am I mixing up the dates? Well, uh, no, I'd been in my own place for, gosh, at least a year or so. So I'd Mm. gone through the honeymoon period of it being all fantastic because I'd done the whole thing, you know, living in London and, um, you know, house sharing and then actually living in London on my own and just, yeah, just to have my own place. I'm sure I had a kind of glow about me for a full year just because mm. <laughs> I was just like that you know I can stick things on the walls if I want I could you know do what I like and have I can have people around um yeah to then feeling like because I and I really and really enjoying my surroundings to then mm. feeling kind of fairly trapped by them really and and isolated um, oh, yeah because I remember in the various lockdowns really being very thankful that um Chris who for listeners that's my boyfriend who I live with um being very grateful to have him there and thinking how much more difficult it would be if I was living alone um just in terms of the daily isolation and not having someone there to do like even just the small thing of just being able to turn to someone and be like this is really weird and scary and horrible did you find that difficult 
Yeah, it was hard. Um, but I was really lucky in that, I mean, this is one of my coping mechanisms, I think, through the pandemic in terms of mental health, is I had a really nice um, WhatsApp group with a couple of friends. And we'd just be chatting every single day. And it sort of went, you know, it was a real fast range of things from sort of we'd all decide to watch the same TV program and just be doing daft comments about that at the same time to sort of more in-depth things about how we were feeling. Um, and having that sort of support via technology, that was really fantastic. Um, I kind of think, though, I don't know, because I think all different situations, I don't think anyone had it easy in the pandemic, because I think, you know, when I was living in house shares before, you know, I had some really nice housemates in the past. But I just think, gosh, if I'd been unlucky and had been stuck with, I did have one unpleasant housemate in the past, and I thought, oh, gosh, if I'd been stuck with her during the pandemic and just in my room, not a whole flat, that would have been even worse. Or, you know, if you're stuck with a difficult partner or an abusive 100%. partner. Or even just, um, kind of toxic family setups as well, because I was thinking yeah. about that a lot um, during the pandemic. I think that must have been really, really difficult. Mm. So, yeah, it, I think that, yeah, as you say, no one had a good time of it. But, um, mm. But our lives yeah. just changed so much so quickly, though, didn't they? Because, I mean, um, mm. I'm a freelance and I sort of went from commuting to London about half the time. So I used to spend about half of my time in offices surrounded by people, you know, chatting mm. a bit, you know, working hard. But also you have those kind of little tea breaks and stuff and just you get used to having that human buzz around you. So I went from that to just working at home full time. Um, and, yeah, I don't think I really realised how that would affect my mental health initially. I thought, oh, this is great. You know, I'm not having to get on the train. I'm not having to have this big slog. But I don't think I'd realised how that think little changes like that can actually affect your mental health. Um, mm. It's And it's funny you sort of said about, um, you know, how did I deal with being alone? Well, you know, <laughs> you know, I dealt with being alone by getting a dog. <laughs> I got a <laughs> lockdown puppy like, like so many other people did. And I know that makes me very privileged, actually, the fact that I could get a lockdown dog because I have my own place. You know, um, a lot of people can't get pets because they're bloody stupid landlords. Um, but I think if you can get a pet, that's a really helpful thing. I mean, they can drive you up the wall sometimes and actually make you very stressed out sometimes, especially when you're trying to train them. But in terms of my mental health, getting a dog has just been great in terms of basics you know, getting mm. me into a routine, like I have to get up to take her out for a walk, you know, I have to feed her at certain times, I have to remember to eat at certain times, you know, it's a very, I have a lot more structured day than I used to. Um, I think that's so I like think that an helps. overall theme for both of us is um, in the pandemic, I know that when we started recording uh, remotely and talking to people about you know, experts how to cope. So many of them were saying like, you need a routine and you need to do these like certain seemingly like basic things. Um, and I think in the same way that Esme and your dog kind of forced you into doing that, I think the pandemic did that a bit for both of us. Cause for me, it definitely, I kind of, I think before COVID, I won't get into the specifics, but I was dealing with, my mental health in a very unhealthy way and moving through things very quickly and just kind of on this cycle of so it's being so vague I was on this cycle of just doing unhealthy things that weren't really helping me um but then when the pandemic hit it 
forced me to stop that and pause for a second and actually reflect on like what's good and what's not good for me and then I think because everyone else was doing you know everyone was talking about isolation and mental health suddenly and talking about the importance of routines and going outside and eating proper food and stuff like that it definitely for me made me realize like oh that stuff is genuinely very important I actually started looking after myself better and I think I remember you kind of saying the same where week after week we were hearing from experts saying like you really need a routine it's important and both of us were kind of reluctant to actually do that but once we did we were like yes they were right (laughs) like it really is the very simple like back to basic stuff that makes a huge difference yeah I mean, I can't, I could just spend this whole episode talking about the benefits of getting a dog because it's mm. not just the sort of, I mean, I went through a, a horrible period of depression earlier on in the year and I had, I just had to get out of bed in the morning. You know, there was, she'd mm. wheel on the carpet if I didn't, <laughs> so, you know, I was really angry at her sometimes because I didn't want to get up at eight o'clock. I didn't want to get dressed. I didn't want to do anything, um, but I still had to get up. So that was sort of good for me. But those sort of extremes aside, I mean, just the daily outing, the daily sort of 20 minute walk. I mean, I think I, I tend to think about things in extreme, you know, I'm either sort of, oh, I want to train for a marathon. I want to sort of learn this new dance or something, but just the, the idea of just going actually about 30 minutes walk a day, it all sounded kind of a bit boring to me, but that's what I do now. It's just worked into my day and I have to do it for my dog, but I don't really think anything of it. And the sunshine, the nature, all the things sort of people talk about in terms of connecting the people that I chat to, it's amazing how many people you chat to when you have a dog. You know what's really helpful is that, um, because I think listening to you, I'm like that, I think definitely getting a dog would make me do those things for sure. But something that um, I heard recently that I think could do something similar for people with depression and with those kind of struggles and motivation is if instead of thinking like, oh, I have to like get up and go for a walk, imagine you're kind of treating yourself it's like your pet or your child and like you have to take yourself out for a walk or like you have to does that make any sense am I making any sense <laughs> yeah it is and I, I think also the idea that you don't have to I, I definitely am very all or nothing and I, I think some other people I chat to you have sort of mental health issues it can be sort of similar or maybe it's just a human thing in general you know like people kind of think oh, I'm gonna take up running or I'm gonna go for a big long hike but if you actually think, I'm just going to go for a 10 minute walk, or I'm going to walk around the block today, you know, I'm going to walk over to that patch of trees, I'm going to go to that park that I've never been to, that can actually be quite helpful, because it just sort of changes your mindset a bit. Because when you're depressed, you can get very, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? You can get very sort of locked into the the negative thinking, or oh, what's the point of sort of getting up and and feeling like it's it's all or nothing, really. I am glad, though, that with the pandemic, obviously, pandemic was a bad thing, but I am glad that it made us talk more about this kind of thing, because I think a lot of people, I know we said at the start of it all, we're like, oh, people are suddenly kind of understanding things like health anxiety and agoraphobia, and they're kind of understanding a lot more of day-to-day life of what it's like when you're struggling with a mental illness um and as I say kind of talking about those coping mechanisms that can help um which we never it 
Like, I don't know if on TikTok you've seen like people doing hot girl walks. Do you know about this? No, I don't. It sounds, it sounds amazing. It's amazing. I mostly, I mostly just watch comedians and people doing daft things. I, I really love it's, Megan um, Stolter on, on TikTok. But she's amazing. Yeah, what's that? So it's, it's literally yeah. just repackaging the act of going for a walk for your mental health. And I just feel like before the pandemic, we never would have had this. But it's literally just people going like, okay, I've put on my like, you know, tracksuit. I'm going on my hot girl walk with my water for my hot girl mental health. And just, I love that, like, <laughs> we've packaged it in this way of like, yeah, it's completely normal now to say and to acknowledge, like, if I don't go on my hot girl walk, you know, I might just stay in bed all day and not be so hot girl mentally. <laughs> I think that's really cool. And I don't think that would have happened if we hadn't been through this kind of like collective experience of really struggling and having to work out how to find happiness and like some joy in our days again yeah definitely so I guess that, like the walks are kind of coping mechanism um should we talk a bit more about coping mechanisms because I've sort of listed down healthy and unhealthy if you want to hear mine <laughs> during the pandemic I would We're love to start to with yours. unhealthy yes yeah make me feel better <laughs> Well, un- unhealthy for me, like a major one is food. Because mm. um, I've been struggling with um, binge eating for a while. Mm-hmm. And it, I've been reading about this. And apparently one in 10 people with bipolar disorder also have been binge eating disorder. Um, That's so interesting. Probably... Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, but none of my doctors have ever told me about it. So I sort of, I've read a bit about it. I just feel like I should do a lot more research on it. Um, mm. But anyway, I... I struggle with it and certainly during the pandemic I went through two stages the first stage was literally eat from fear and kind of bulk buy huge amounts of um, certain binge foods Um, and then another much healthier phase which was like a healthy coping mechanism which was sort of joining a recovery support group to do with the food which was kind of really helpful and so (laughs) in terms of the I don't want to talk about weight and stuff because I know that's not helpful to listeners, but it made me a lot healthier, but it was also a bit intense. I sort of went from one extreme to sort of having all this food to cope to this other extreme where I had sort of a big network of people who were great, but it was also a little bit intense in terms of, um, I don't know, the way that you kind of approach cutting out certain foods and changing your life. So yeah, it, it really worked for a while until it suddenly didn't. And then now I could, and then I kind of put the weight back on. So that's yeah, so that's like easy annoying. to do. I think it's very difficult to go like, what's the word to go from kind of one extreme to another, I think is so easy to do because it's both, it's the same mental thing in a way. It's the same kind of obsession and filling a need, you know, it's like if you if you get sometimes if you get rid of one unhealthy habit, if you don't replace it with something, you can just go and put in another unhealthy habit, even if it might seem healthy at first. Yeah, well, I think it's the being an all or nothing person and trying to, you know, with the support groups, I was kind of trying to move away from that. But it's, you know, it's all a big work in progress, really. Um, and in terms of I'm trying I, I'm not really too. Well, I'm annoyed with myself, but I don't think I'm too hard on myself in terms of the weight itself, because I know like from January till March, that is when I kind of went back to eating a lot again. But I was also extremely depressed and 
so that is a it's just really obvious unfortunately that is it's a coping mechanism and it's not a good one and it's in the same way that alcohol is not a good one and drugs is not a good one and I don't know probably sex is not a good one but it is a coping mechanism (laughs) that you sort of pick up from probably quite a young age also like I think something to think about is you I think not to get preachy but you have to be a bit kind of treating yourself with kindness because it you're using a coping mechanism to cope <laughs> like it's not you're not just doing it for lols it, it, it's it's a coping mechanism you know you can't be that hard on yourself for trying to do something that helps you get it through even even if you're thinking this isn't what I want to be doing or it's not healthy it's a practice that you've picked up and learn and that's quite embedded and it is going to be difficult to kind of shift that behavior but you can't beat yourself up for engaging it it's coping mechanism because you're trying to cope with something yeah and I it has kind of made me wonder well did I have that sort of extreme depression again I mean it would have been partly I think because of the stress of the pandemic and stuff that happened with my family during the pandemic and just the general anxiety all the sort of weight of it but also part of me thinks, well, actually, I've been on my mood stabilizers for bipolar disorder for quite a long time now, like since I was 24, I think. So part of me kind of thinks like, I don't know, maybe I should actually look at dosage again now or, you know, at least try and make an effort to to guess antidepressants as well as them when I need them. Because that was the thing I kept. I don't know if listeners can relate to this at all. I kept sort of thinking oh, well, I feel quite bad, but I don't feel as bad as I have done. (laughs) You know, like I felt pretty terrible. I didn't want to get up, but it's not like I'm trying to kill myself. So, you know, or maybe I'll just wait. So because I've got bipolar disorder, I just kept thinking, well, I know eventually I'll bounce back up again. So if I can just, (laughs) if I get just sort of power on through. And now I'm just like, I'm just a masochist. Why do I do that uh, for three months? As you're saying that, are you going, hmm, that's not, that's not the right approach is it yeah because I I mean you know I I sort of gave up the sort of worry about meds a long time ago and and I think they can really help and I know that antidepressants have helped in the in the past so um yeah I do very much get the whole thing of like oh well I'm not as bad as before but I think sometimes it's helpful to go like if (laughs) and sometimes you can literally do this if you're telling someone who hasn't been depressed how you're feeling and they're like what (laughs) like that's insane (laughs) then it's like oh no I do I do deserve help like sometimes I explain that to people I'm like you know like I just think about I'm an awful person I hate myself and blah blah and I can see people's like horrified looks I'm like ah that isn't like a healthy happy place to be (laughs) like I do need help for that you know Sometimes it helps to imagine that. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of sense, actually, because I think if I'd said to like any of my friends or family, well, I'm not thinking mm-hmm. of killing myself, but I actually wouldn't mind being dead right now. I don't think they'd have thought yes. that was an ideal mood to have. Oh, my God. Exactly. They would go, OK, get some help, please. Like, so I think sometimes you do need to be, this sounds harsh, you need the outside voice to be like, you are being ridiculous and what you're saying is not, healthy or normal you do need to get help for that because I I definitely get the comparison but like sometimes you do need the outside voice just saying like no get get it sorted out go and do something so do you want to talk about any other coping mechanisms or shall we move on to um I'll I'll run through 
my unhealthy ones. I don't have many healthy ones (laughs) because I'm still working that out. Um, I would say that something that really flared up for me in the pandemic was um, dermatillomania, which is um, skin picking. And I had never really like confronted that before. Um, Like I would just always do it in very like secretive places that people couldn't see. Um, And then suddenly when I was at home, I was doing it on my arms and, you know, very much more visible places. And it really, it it definitely flared up and was getting quite intense. Um, And I'm still coping with that now. Um, But I think, I think talking to people about it more has been really helpful. Um, And recognising Ah, like yes, this is a problem that has been flared up by stress and you know the kind of physical barrier before of oh I'm in the office or I'm out of the house uh, in front of other people so I can't pick it myself. Whereas when we were home in isolation, no one could see what I was getting up to. It was very easy for me to get out of control. Thankfully, now that we're out of lockdown, I am getting back to a better place with that but that was definitely an unhealthy coping mechanism that I just wanted to bring up because I think that um there's still not much conversation about dermatillomania and I do think that other people might have experienced similar to me where it got a lot worse in lockdown and now people are coming out of it and trying to you know because I think it's similar with uh binge eating what's difficult about it in a way is that you have to deal with like the kind of visual um, evidence of what you're doing. Like, um, you know, you you might gain weight and then you have to deal with, people can see that I've gained weight and with dermatillomania, it's the fact that, you know, I might've stopped doing this unhealthy behavior, but I'll go out and about now and I'll have, you know, scars. And like the other week, someone was literally went, oh, did you burn yourself? Did you burn your arm? And I had to be like, no, that's, this is, I did that to myself. Um, so I think that's really difficult. And I, I wanted to just bring that up because, yeah, like I say, I think people don't talk about it enough and I'm sure other people are dealing with the same thing. Have you talked to your doctor about it or have you reached out to any charities or any former guests maybe? Or Oh God, so doctors, doctors is a long thing and that's a separate issue. But um, with speaking to other people, yes, because towards the beginning of lockdown, I spoke to other people with dermatillomania um, for a feature for work, just to kind of be like, are you guys also struggling with lockdown? And a lot of people said yes. And also what's been really helpful is I actually joined a lot of like Facebook support groups for dermatillomania. Um, and that's been really helpful. A lot of it just having, it's not even like, I don't often post in the groups, but just knowing that there are people out there who are also dealing with this thing definitely removes a lot of the, the shame of it. The like embarrassment of I'm doing this thing and I can't control it. And it feels ridiculous and crazy but there are other people and I think just having that knowledge has helped a lot Mm. I mean it does sound kind of a bit like my eating in the way that Mm. you know it is this kind of bonkers 
the world yes, sort of and this is this is the thing you know like I think, and the, on the one side I you know I don't want to gain weight but at the other side you know at times I just can't stop eating so there'll be the mm. two sides of me sort of completely at war with each other exactly just, yeah they're very similar they're they're both coping mechanisms that make no sense and feel really like there there is like genuine shame when you talk about them because it just feels embarrassing to have to explain to people like yes I know I know that I shouldn't be doing this thing but I just can't stop it and it doesn't make sense to anyone who's not doing it like if you if you said to someone who's never experienced any of these kind of compulsions oh yeah I I just have to pick my skin I just have to pick it you're like well why (laughs) just just stop it's I think it it does help a lot knowing that other people do understand that um and kind of get get the urge and how mad it sounds but the fact that it's a very real intense thing that you can't control Mm. but also that there are people that can you know that have learned to manage it in terms I don't know about skin picking but in terms of food stuff the community that I sort of joined there are a lot of people that have sort of learned to manage it um but it's not easy (laughs) oh god I feel like we've got pretty bleak (laughs) so should we move on to sort of how we're both doing now in terms of mental health stuff um you know because it's although like the pandemic's not finished is it COVID's still sort of around it's not like we're not where we were a year ago or two years ago. Things have definitely changed. Um, so how are you feeling about sort of being back out in the world and how do you think sort of your mental health is these days? I feel good about being back out in the world. I think mm. if you asked me that a couple of months ago, the answer would be different because I was still very much like uneasy about the fact that no one's really wearing masks anymore yeah like that's that's just kind of stopped um but I think I've adjusted to that a bit more um I don't know about you also but there was a period I can't even remember when it was now it might have been March when just everyone was getting COVID especially in London and that was really like I just felt terrified again because I just felt like we're not taking this seriously and you know people are gonna you know, obviously, I was just worrying, okay, people are going to die. People are going to die. It's going to be awful. again. It's going to be just as bad as it was the first time. But I think actually seeing that, you know, the vaccines were helping, you know, people were still getting sick, but they weren't getting as sick as they were before. That was really helpful. Um, So I think a couple months back, still difficult. Now, a lot better and more like at ease although obviously there's now monkeypox so that's a new thing to worry don't, about don't. oh god <laughs> I'm, ge- I'm genuinely trying just not to even think about it at all they do because I, I was reading up about that and they do say that's a much you know lesser risk it's it's harder to transmit and actually if you did get it it's a lot less dangerous um and there's only been a there's only been a couple of, of instances. So I almost feel like, you know, and, you know, we're both journalists. We know that bad news kind of sells. And, like, if, if you sort of find the next thing to, to talk about in terms of viruses, it's almost like, 
oh, this is a bit, this will be a good story. Lots of people will start sharing this. And, you know, just because you know people are going to say, oh, it's the next COVID. But actually, if you read the details of it, it's not anything like COVID. I think in general, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to think about it until someone smarter than me says, actually, you do need to worry about that. You know, there's no point. I realise there's no point in worrying about it. Me worrying is not going to cure a pandemic. It's just going to make me stressed out. So I can ignore that. Um, (laughs) Beyond that, how am I managing my mental health and everything afterwards? I think that, like I was saying, the pandemic made me get back to basics on a lot of things. Um, And I'm doing a lot more of things that I enjoy. Like I'm doing this woodworking class every Monday, which is fun. And that's making me very happy. The end goal is going to be a table. Oh, wow. But we're not we're not ready to start making the table yet we've just been working on our joints so today I did a um corner joint and that was fun but it's it's just nice to be doing something with my hands and making something physically um and that's definitely been good for just my overall life satisfaction I would say what's really nice about that is that you know you've thought of something you know fun and new that you could do you've thought about it and then you've actually researched it and then you've actually gone and done it because the furthest that I've got so far is that I keep thinking about things, then I keep doing a, a shitload of research, and then I haven't actually done them. So the latest thing I'm thinking is actually it'd be quite nice to go back out to a dance class. So twice I've done this now, I sort of looked around the local area, found out all about these different dance classes, taking out all, all the details, and then haven't actually been to one. But that's my next plan, is um, I thought I might try a tap dancing class. Haven't done that before. What's the obstacle to you doing that? I think in the past, it was a weird sort of combination of not wanting to leave the dog on her own and, I don't know, just feeling like busy with work and also maybe just being a bit scared of COVID. Like there was a major fear around going back to stuff like choirs for me, which I really love. But I also really have in my mind that, you know, if I go to a choir, I will get COVID because of the, you know, it seemed like that was the worst thing you could do, be around lots of people breathing. Um. And the sort of similar thing with dance. But now I kind of think, you know, what changed it for me? Because I was very much in the same headspace as you for a while in terms of panicking about people not wearing masks and, yeah, being very worried about the fact that people in my sort of neck of the woods as well were all seem to all be getting COVID. Um, I recently went abroad and I, I ended up, <laughs> this might sound really bleak, but I ended up getting trapped in a stampede at a music festival um, and that was unpleasant. At the, that was unpleasant at the time. But, you know, afterwards, I kind of thought, oh, well, you know, I spent all this time worrying about dying of COVID. So it's going to be something completely random that gets me like dying in a stampede at a music festival. So I just after that, I, do, I just don't worry about COVID now. It's an unconventional approach, but I'm not opposed to it. Getting a stampede. <laughs> well, just or have some other kind of, you know, thing that shocks you into, into realising that, you know, something is going to get you eventually. But in terms of managing my mental health these days, it's, yeah, meds as usual. Although, yeah, thinking about maybe mm. more or changing the dosage or sort of looking at them. I started meditating again, which really makes a difference kind of nice. day to day. Um, and, yeah, planning and, yeah, planning the things but actually doing them like I said with you you're actually doing the thing which is fab but I actually need to do a I'm thing I'm going to give you a reminder later this week to actually <laughs> just book the classes because you need to do it honestly yeah because I was very much similar 
um, where for ages I was talking about, oh, I really want to try woodworking. I really want to try this. I want to do this. Um, and what actually pushed me to do it was Chris, again, mentioning your boyfriend, um, got me for Christmas a voucher to this centre. Um, so that's why I booked the first course, which was making a shelf, which I'm very proud of. Um, so it, it took that nudge from someone else to do it. But I will be that nudge for you and just say, just book the body class, just do it. Because I think yeah, I completely get like the nerves and like, oh, what if... I don't know if it's the same for you, but I was very much like, what if I hate it? Or what if I'm terrible and everyone laughs at me? And it's just so embarrassing. Yeah, or just, you know, school things again about, oh, you know, or what if I don't make any friends there? What if I, don't, I mean, I won't know anyone there, but, you know, oh, what if I'm the fattest one in the room and all this sort of stuff? Oh, for sure. I'm exactly the same. I was really, especially with, um, I feel like this is just becoming about weight gain now in general, but, like, I put on weight in lockdown and I found myself really anxious to, like, see my friends. And I found myself, like, messaging them and saying, by the way, like, I put on some weight. So, like, just don't look at me. And it's like, that's obviously ridiculous. No one cares, you know. People people are not bothered. In If you think about it in the perspective, like, the last few years have been weird for us. It's been weird for everyone else as well. They're too preoccupied just trying to, like feel happier as well and they're probably having the exact same worries about like have I forgotten how to socialize um you know especially with something like tap dance everyone's a beginner as well <laughs> it is adult tap dancing it's not going to be me in a room with all these like, load of little kids by the way because that would be hilarious <laughs> <laughs> that would also be fun but no yeah. I don't think no people aren't going to be horrible well I do try and remember like when I do get moments like this that like you say kind of everybody's actually too busy worrying about their own stuff usually to focus heavily on what you're doing or thinking or you know or might be thinking and you know what else really helps um with this is just going on a tangent now but something that really helps me is um I read this thing about how dealing with shyness specifically and social anxiety sometimes it helps to be like okay well I'm going to imagine that someone else going to this is even more anxious and scared than I am um and they're really worried that they won't make any friends or they won't get talked to so then I'll make the effort to be the one to talk to them and make them comfortable I know that sounds weird but that really helps I think sometimes it's it's difficult to do things for yourself but if you feel like you're helping someone else it can be helpful oh I think we're never come to the end of our chat but shall we think a bit about like our hopes for the rest of the year in terms of ourselves and in terms of the podcast um we've been doing the podcast for ages I, I was thinking about mm. this and this is the longest relationship I've ever had oh my god <laughs> That's, that is very <laughs> odd to think about <laughs> but also it's been so consistent so it's like every single week since 2017 my, my longest romantic relationship was like two years this is a lot a lot longer than that so congratulations well, thank you I feel very special um, so what are your hopes for yourself, but also the podcasts um, for the rest of 2022? Um, hopes for myself. Make my table. Um, find ways to be happy and continue getting back to those basics. I think that's very important for me. Um, 
I'm also planning to go on a fiction writing retreat in September. So that's something I'm very much looking forward to. So that's personal. Um, for mentally yours, I think honestly, it sounds it sounds like an easy answer, which is just keep doing what we're doing. But I think we've really kind of expanded in again because of the pandemic. We were very much focused on okay, we're going to talk to people with lived experiences who are struggling and hear their stories. But we've kind of mixed in a little bit of um, talking to experts and answering questions. And I've absolutely loved that. Um, I hope that we can continue to do that really nice balance of talking to people who are just experiencing mental illness and we can talk about their experiences, but also talking to experts and answering questions, not just because I want free therapy, but because it's just fascinating. Like some of the people we've spoken to, um, like Dr. Anna Lemke about dopamine and these like just fascinating experts in their field, more about like the actual neuroscience of how our brains work, I think has been really, really interesting for me and also helpful as well. Like I feel like a lot of the people we've spoken to have given little tips and ways of thinking that have genuinely changed the way that I live my life and changed my mental health. Um, so yeah, it sounds slightly selfish. I do also hope that those help other people, but I'd like to continue doing that balance of expertise and just lived experience as well. What about you, personal and mentally yours? Um, in terms of the personal stuff, I mean, I suppose little things like um, carrying on with meditation. Um, I think the idea of doing things little and often is probably quite a good idea because um, just in terms of the way that you know getting out for the walks and not really thinking anything of it has helped I think you know doing five ten minutes meditation a day not strictly not religiously not kind of getting annoyed with yourself if you miss it for a few days but um, kind of working that back in um, is a good idea kind of trying to keep being kind to myself I've got this big thing over my desk I think I thought I've mentioned it which says give yourself a break because I'm working from home and sometimes from both sides of things I forget to give myself an actual break, you know, so I'll, I'll work for hours and hours and not get up and not even look out the window or not go and make a tea or anything. Um, so from that side, but also, you know, I can be quite hard on myself still sometimes. So when you start to get those kind of negative thoughts or, you know, they which can be from little things to, you know, the, the worst stuff to just more kind of noticing them and just going, all oh, right, that's a thought then. You know, I don't have to agree with that. That's just a thought. Um, so I guess that's sort of my hopes. I like that you haven't mentioned, at least I don't remember you mentioning um, the sign before, but I love that. Thanks. That's such a good reminder to yourself. I like that it's also like the double meaning of actually give yourself a proper break from working yeah. and just be a bit nicer to yourself. Well, the dog's really been great. <laughs> Sorry to bring it back to it again. <laughs> My dog's been fantastic from that point of view because now I kind of I feel a little bit guilty, but it's sort of like you know how some people with children they say, well, I have to leave at such and such time. You know, I have to leave the party at this time, or I have to finish work exactly on five, or I have to do this. But or I have to pick the kid up. But with me, it's the dog. It's just like, well, it's this time. I have to take her out for a walk now. You know, there's no argument about it. I have to do this now. I have to go and get a break. So I have to go outside. Um, in terms of mentally yours, I mean, I agree with you. Um, 
I hope we just keep chatting to lovely, interesting people. I think we've had a really great mix of guests again. Um, like you say, I love the experts, but I just want to sort of carry on chatting to just everyday people with um, with mental health issues and particularly the lesser known ones. I mean, I still see quite a bit on social media, people sort of saying, oh, well, you know, the certain conditions are covered all the time and people don't talk about DID or they don't talk about this or that. And I'm quite glad that we cover them as well. And, you know, I hope that we continue to kind of talk about them and cover them um, and hopefully, you know, raise a bit of awareness there and just learn a bit about, about them more ourselves really. And, you know, learn more stuff from the experts. Um, yeah. And I guess and my main talking hope... to me as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. And I guess continue our long hope... relationship. <laughs> yes. That my biggest relationship. <laughs> um, yeah. And really, I just hope that listeners prioritize their um, mental health and taking time out for themselves and to give themselves a break as well and be sort of a bit kind to themselves because it has been a bloody shit show of a few years hasn't it <laughs> whether you have long-term mental health issues or not you know it's it hasn't been easy so this is goodbye from mentally yours so go away enjoy your day get on with all your chores from If you've been struggling with any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116-123. You can also find them online at samaritans.org. You can find us online. We have a Twitter account, which is at MentallyYRS. And you can also join our lovely Facebook group, which is simply called Mentally Yours. See you next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.